Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting technology. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Mike Wade. Mike! Gareth! Man, we're on a hot streak right now. We are just tearing up podcasts. Welcome to our quarterly podcast, everybody. (laughs) Our nearly quarterly podcast. Yeah, so we are uh, actually, for the first time ever, recording looking at each other in the same room same not on a computer screen (laughs) no cats meowing at us (laughs) not (laughs) yet no children (laughs) yeah and we are in our new digs we are in the in the costume shop here at creative connors (laughs) that's right creative connors has a costume shop yeah come here for all your frilly goodness that's right yeah so uh for anyone who doesn't know emily connor my wife who's a half owner of a scenic automation company has no real interest in scenic automation but instead likes to do costumes and she is damn good at it that's right so what's nice about the costume shop at creative connor's is that uh it's quiet it's quiet that's right and there's comfortable seating (laughs) Yeah, way better than everywhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, we're coming to you live from the costume shop. <laughs> and we have a, for the first time ever, we have a, a live, audience. yeah, live studio guest. Yeah. Cody, say hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> hey, it's Cody. <laughs> from the corner. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Hey, so, you know, in big news, somebody's published and it's not me. <laughs> yeah, What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited. It the uh, the book is finally out. It's shipping. Uh, dozens of copies have been sold. You can get yours on Amazon. That's right. So the Scenic Automation Handbook is uh, is off the press. I wouldn't say hot off the press. It's been off the press now since uh, May, maybe April, May, something like Sometime that. Sometime since March. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes is the last time we recorded. That's right. But uh, no, it's pretty exciting, and it's great to get some feedback from some folks who have uh bought it and read it and somewhat even liked it um in all seriousness i think it actually uh it's it's uh i think it's going to be doing well and hopefully we'll be hearing from a lot of folks in the fall uh once school starts up and get a chance to read it and give some feedback but, that's a great book it's a it's a super duper resource to have sitting on the shelf thanks and uh i was I was bragging about it a little bit around the house, and my uh, youngest daughter asked, she said, Dad, when you tell people that, do you mention that it took you three years to write it? (laughs) (laughs) No, but you tell us all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I said, yeah, where's your book? (laughs) 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 But yeah, anyway, so anyone who's interested in checking it out, please do so. Scenic Automation Handbook. Buy it on Amazon. (laughs) So, Mike, we've uh, we have just a ridiculous amount of stuff to cover because we've been a little yeah. bad about keeping up. Strap in, everybody. That's, it's going to be a long one. Mike and I each have a beer. You should grab one too. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long ride. Um, first things first, though, um, we have had an interesting collaboration with our good friends at ETC on a right. on a project uh, yeah. out in Vegas. Yeah, in case in case you don't know, ETC ETC makes some hoists. What? But I, I thought they were lighting guys. I, I thought they were too. I had no idea. <clears throat> um, and uh, and uh, but funny enough, they don't make winches. Right. They only seem to make hoists. Yeah. And they got a they got a. Gig. Thank goodness for that. Let me Thank just say. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever let those guys make winches. <laughs> they uh, they had a they had a 
a gig for a, for a project in Vegas. I don't know that we can actually say the name of it at the moment, but uh, but they had hoists on there, and then they had some deck winches, and uh, and they and then and then all of a sudden we got an order for some deck winches. Right, that's right. So there's a, a magician that's uh, opening up a new show in Vegas. I think we can say that much, and um, they needed deck winches plus a whole ton of line set hoists, and it was a lot of line set hoists. It was, it was, and. Um, we we gave him a price. We gave him a price for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it was how you say not competitive and on the said, hoists. And they said, "So how about those deck winches?" Yeah, how about you know, like <laughs> if you could come down a lot on your hoists, yeah. or maybe just give us the four deck winches? And we are not proud people, so we said yeah. we would love to just give you deck winches. We would love that. And it, anyone who. Uh, isn't aware, which is probably most of you. Actually, we've had uh, lots of discussions with ETC over the years about how we could better work together. Because yeah. although we were joking before about ETC and not knowing that they make hoists, obviously we know <laughs> that they make hoists. <laughs> and the foundation control is a great uh, rigging control system. Um, yeah. But we make a lot of other machines that could be used in production. So chances are, if you have an entire fly system full of automated hoists, you might want to maybe someday have a turntable or a couple of deck winches or an elevator. Or some different hoists. Or some different hoists. Some, maybe some some spot Spine. line hoists. <laughs> or maybe some chain motors. Or, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. It does. It does. But something that's not a traditional <laughs> packaged hoist. Right. Um, and, uh, you know... We, of course, always love to sell Spike Mark and Stagehand controls, but... Spike Mark. It's the most expensive part of the system. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Some people just can't afford the licensing fees. We understand that. You don't have an internet connection, so... Uh, it's only dial-up, Gareth. It's it'll only, take days. <laughs> it'll take days. Even then, I think it only takes minutes, but... Um, but in any case... Uh, Always happy to sell just the machines. Yeah. And so there was some conversation early on about what's the best way to accomplish this, right? Because actually, if uh, when it got started, there was some high-level conversations between some of the our salesy folks on both sides discussing what it might look like if we tried to patch in foundation control protocols into a stage into hand. a stage yeah. hand make a make a, make what we affectionately called a franken hand i think a franken hand exactly <laughs> and then uh we got some more engineering involved and uh michael lichter and myself spent a few minutes on the phone and we're like that, that's probably the worst way to do this right and yeah. we all agreed with that <laughs> like, it's just that all our winches is a motor and a brake and an encoder yeah. and i bet you guys use motor brakes and encoders on your hoist how about we just you know give you the wiring diagrams of how our winches are wired up <laughs> let me point you to the internet <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah for anyone who's not aware we publish that for everyone you don't have to be etc um and uh and then they could just patch it in wire it into their drive cabinets yep. instead. Yeah, and I think the I think the biggest change I think they ended up uh we talked we talked briefly about whether we were going to rewire the motors for uh 460 or 230. Right. Um but we left them at 230. We left them at 230 going yep. to them. Um cuz I think that's how it all came out, but I believe all their hoists and there were in the 400 volt range so right um but i bet they can get some 200 volt class vfds yeah and make or, that 
or look at the wiring diagram for the motor on the inside of the J-Box. That's true. Yeah. Either of these things are possible. Don't even need the internet for that. Don't even. There's a sticker <laughs> right on there. Yeah, and so we're, um, uh, last we know, they actually, it's still in process, and uh, they haven't actually hooked it up yet, but I'm I'm super excited to to see the push stick winches working on foundation control. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. It's going to be pretty cool. And someday, too early to say, but it would be really fun if it maybe we got some of the uh, little the old the prodigy uh, backway voice. action. Yeah. <laughs> Running on Spike Mark. Get a little Spike Mark doing some prodigy Hey-o. voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that could be really fun. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think there's some interesting industry discussions. Hi, and the compressor kicked on. <laughs> the compressor and kicked on. And that's an advantage of recording the podcast in the in the shop. <laughs> it's the real world here, folks. Um, I think there's actually some pretty awesome discussions happening in the industry about about how to come around to a <clears throat> a standardization on the control front and a standardization on the absolutely you know, on on the system, sort of uh, sort of in the vein of what DMX did. Um, yeah, in the lighting industry, and so you know we're pretty far away from that, but it's kind of cool to to have that discussion and to see those to see those points happen now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as long as there's enough work to go around, there's no reason why anyone has to be super protective and proprietary. We can, as long as uh, there's yeah. some winches to sell. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as you said, it's a motor, right, and a brake, right. And an encoder. Right. <laughs> Induction. <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Uh, we're going to go all DC, everybody. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> we're going back. We're going backwards. That's right. Yeah. 28-volt encoder. Yeah, it's artisanally handcrafted DC motors in Brooklyn. Yeah, well, I'm growing my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my fixie. <laughs> Give me my fixie and my skinny jeans. I'm on it. Uh, yeah. So, next bit of business, uh, we've got another ESPN studio. Yeah, another ESPN studio in New York City, bringing the fixie back, baby. That's right. With a good view of the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, so we're not in Brooklyn, but we're close. We're We're getting there. We're in Brooklyn. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the (laughs) sphere of influence. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty cool studio. It's another, so uh, for anybody who listened, you know, in our last, last year quarterly podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh we did we did the other studio in this space that's um at uh south street seaport in the new building at south street seaport and so they came up with a second studio and um and the initial concept the initial design concept had had two tracking walls one of them with three giant led panels that they wanted to be able to spread out and come together and move in different places and then another wall with a single panel uh and these were all like I don't know, like eight foot tall panels by varying widths, like six to six to 14 feet wide. So these are not little bits of, you know, bits no. of panels. No. Um, and uh, and a couple and of course, then a couple hoists, you know, like right. why not in the middle of a room in a studio that's already built? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> With no extra points to hang anything <laughs> from the ceiling from. Yeah. And so, yeah, as you mentioned, so there's a lot of, you know, travel tracks and hoists all suspended from the ceiling. And yet, actually, nothing in the ceiling yeah, for us there. to attach to. Yeah. So the first uh, challenge in that project was to figure out how are we going to attach all gonna, this crap? How are we going to hang all this? Yeah. How are we going <laughs> like, to? I love what you've designed here. Yeah. So where does this bolt on? Beautiful. Nowhere. Oh. So there was a. Initially, we proposed 
opening up the ceiling and laying in somewhere around 70 something anchor points yeah 70 anchor points and so the building is you know poured concrete into a into a steel deck and so this is you know and a finished ceiling that's isolated in the studio two layers of drywall hanging on like two and a half inch isolators coming right from this thing so you know we weren't asking for we weren't asking for much i mean just no. you know rip out the finished ceiling no just to undo what you did and yeah and then put a whole a bunch of holes go. into it yeah 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 um, we do it right because we do it twice so and well, and then and then and then the initial idea on the seventy something holes was like, oh, oh. Well, that's right. Well, so that's that was the response was uh, that's holes. an awful lot of holes. I don't think that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be feasible. What if we did it all ground support? Sure. What if? What if? Yeah. So we spent a little time, and you drew up a uh, some mod trust magic. Yeah, mm. a bunch of mod trust yeah. jacks essentially to. Uh, it's like flying buttresses. Almost. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of flying buttresses yeah, is what it looked like. cathedral days. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a proud tradition in the Wade family. The Wade family. <laughs> and, uh, and that number was significantly higher than opening up the ceiling and adding a bunch of anchor points, turns out. Turns out. Although the total cost in tears <laughs> is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we uh, proposed the the ground support. That was way too expensive. They're like, geez, it'd probably be cheaper to put anchor points up. Like, sure, sounds Whatever great. Whatever you want. Whatever. Yeah. Either way is fine. When is the when is the drop dead shoot date? Right. That's not changing. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting proposition you have there. Yeah. And so from uh from that point, from the point that everyone kind of greenlit the concept to load in was four weeks four weeks five weeks one of those weeks was the fourth of july right yeah right yep and so uh we we doodled up a plot of where to put all the anchor points they found a contractor to go in there and rip the ceiling open drop all the anchor points in and then suspend a bunch of p5000 unistrut or some something similar in an off-brand p5000 unistrut um and get it all done by one inch below the ceiling. One inch below the ceiling. Can't be on the ceiling. The ceiling's isolated. That would ruin it. <laughs> and so we'll hear that P five thousand scream. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then clean up and vacate the space by July fifth. Fifth. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Yep. Directly after the fourth of July, yep. we rolled in with a pile of more a bigger pile of Unistrut to go put up all the trailer tracks, yeah, and and all the rigging points, yeah, and the rest of the rigging points for the two hoists that I mentioned, right? Because who can forget those? Those didn't get cut. Nope, <laughs> did not get cut. So um, for the trailer tracks, we've got uh, well, it started off actually as three trailer tracks right, yeah. on the on one of the walls. Um, so there were going to be three sliding panels. Luckily, three sliding panels on the same track. Yeah, yeah, on the same track. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, thankfully, that got cut pretty early in the process. Got trimmed back down to just one sliding panel. One sliding panel on that track, and then the second track with a sliding panel. Yeah, and then the two hoists. So, um, which actually gets it down to a pretty manageable project. It's just some they're straight shots. It's just traveler track. Uh, we're using Unibeam, Unibeam 
and the fancy Unibeam scenery carriers, the big heavy duty, the heavy duty ones. Yeah. And uh, but to keep it interesting, we decided to not use a winch that we had. Yeah, I mean, with only four weeks, right? Why, why pen us in exactly. to existing equipment that we know how to make? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got five dollars that says you can't make a new winch in four weeks. <laughs> I just won five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Who's stupid now? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sweet. It was yeah, pretty sweet. Because actually, and in fairness, this was an opportunity to kind of do a test run on a winch design that we've been kicking around for yeah. ooh, two years, a minimum of two years. Yeah, because um, the <laughs> everyone's favorite machine, obviously, that we make is the, the curtain, curtain call. <laughs> <laughs> well Gareth, it's my favorite machine close second is the trick line the trick line <laughs> yeah so the the curtain call is well well adored there's easily three or four people that own them i would say five sure <laughs> i'll give you five um are you counting us well uh no. Okay. All right. Six. All right. So six. If you if you include Creative Connors in the client list, <laughs> I think we're at six. I think we're at six. Yep. Yep. So not a that didn't didn't set the world afire. The curtain call. A cool machine. A great cool idea. Machine. Um. But I mean, there's any number of reasons why a product is unsuccessful. Then it doesn't have to be that it sucks. Because I don't <laughs> think that the curtain call actually sucks. Um. That. No way. But one of the things that if if I were to delve a little into the psychology of it. If you owned an automation company. If, I, if it, putting on a different hat, say I owned an automation company and this was my livelihood at stake. I would say that part of the problem with the curtain call, you know what your problem is. The, part of the problem with the curtain call is. Where to start. Gary. Where to start, how long we got. Uh, is that it's a. It's a it's a bit too specific. Like, you it's not a versatile machine, Although except for the Geffen. Some have tried, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't really intended to be a versatile machine. <laughs> Certainly not for lifting. Um, and so I think it you know and it, uh, it, I think all of our products are incredibly affordable, but there's no denying that it's still like the it's a chunk of change to buy a curtain call and then have it only be able to be used for traveler tracks curtain. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, potentially for a little bit more than that, but it's, but yeah, we've had people do it pretty successfully to run panels and run, you know, scenery on curtain track. Absolutely. But the, the shortcomings are one, you can't use it for anything else. And two, it is a friction loop machine. So, um, you can lose friction and slip a little bit. Right. Yep. So if you're trying to like kiss two LED walls together and make a super tight seam, and not crash them together and not crash them together, <laughs> then the curtain call really is not a great choice. Yeah. Not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, mm-hmm. because we're uh, questionably honest, brutally honest at these points with people, we often tell them such things. We're like, yeah, that's really not a great machine. If that's the effect you're going to going to cr- try to do, you should use yeah. a push stick. But of course, the push stick's kind of giant and heavy, so yeah, or a trick line, or a trick line, which has been surprisingly effective in that, <laughs> in those cases. Um, but 
all that to say, we wanted to take another swing at the idea. Like, yeah. what would it? Because what is the curtain call? The curtain call is a, it's a winch that is, uh, zero fleet, right? I mean, it's old school zero fleet in the sense yeah. that it's got a friction loop on it. So, yeah, and it's light enough that it can go on the end of a pipe and fly with the batten. Um, uh-huh. and, well, I guess that's really it, right? Yeah. It's like it's small, it's light, zero fleet. Yeah. And, well, I left out the 110 portion, because the second it edition of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which second, is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. And that was that was a nice yeah, uh, a nice feature upgrade, too, that you can just plug it into the wall now. Yeah, because with the Stagehand Apprentice, for those listening at home, we have a one-horse version that is 110-volt input power, right? but can still magically output... Two thirty three three phase. Right. Yeah, yeah. Read the book if you want to know about more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when we decided that we wanted to take another swing at the curtain call, it's not so much that we want to make a literally a second curtain call, but that we want to make a small zero fleet winch that is 110 volt. Yeah. Power. Right. Yeah. And so. And we did. And we did. And welcome to the push stick mini. Yeah. So this is not just for not just for curtains anymore. <laughs> this is a we have the tag. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a traditional drum. In fact, it uses a drum that's incredibly similar to the Pushstick V2. Yeah. Uh, but zero fleet. Pushstick V2 is a zero fleet. It is. That's right. Yeah. But this is a little different. Yeah. So how is this one different, Mike? Well, so instead of instead of driving the drum and the drivetrain up and down to keep it zero fleet off of the diverters, we're actually running, we're tracking up and down the fair leads. And so the diverter pulleys are tracking up and down against the drum. The devil, you say. So you're not moving the drum. What? <laughs> well, it's still spinning. Well, hey <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, so we took a swing at... At making a zero fleet without a giant narwhal spike on it, right? So we've you know instead of needing double the double the height mm. on the drum, right? We've now kept it as tight as we can in the in that world, right? It adds like an extra six inches to the drum length, basically yeah. for the fairly to to store below the drum when it's at its bottom of travel. But it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet, and then it's this one is servo driven. Right. Servos. Servo, servo, servo. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Which makes it incredibly light, right? Because the super light. The we powertrain were, is tiny. We were just discussing this today and I said, you know, I just picked that thing up and moved it. Right. And you were like, Well, you know, for like a normal person, maybe it's still a little easier for, you know, two people. I was like, well, yeah, I didn't say it wasn't easy. Right. <laughs> I just said I could do it. I can't do it with a V2. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not, maybe not quite, you know, recommended to lift by yourself, yeah. but you can certainly do it. And you can certainly move it around you by yourself. Maneuver because, the thing right around. Right. Because yeah. you can, you can pivot it up on one end and get it onto a furniture dolly and then, and then mm-hmm. put it into place. I mean, it's, I don't know what, 90 pounds, 70 pounds. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, Cody's got a couple, got a couple of bruises where the where he got where he actually got bitten by the dolly and the and oh. the push stick on site as we were trying to get it onto a off of a furniture dolly onto a dolly onto the dolly yeah onto yeah, the dolly. yeah it kind of snapped him like an alligator oh Whack. yeah oh yeah yeah it's like you sure you're cool <laughs> so don't all right he's still crying a little yeah. <laughs> 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 so, 
So th it's a very cool machine. The these first ones that we made, um, they have a 400 watt Mitsubishi servo on them. Um, they plug into a stagehand servo, which is not a product you'll find on our website, but a product you'll find if you ever call us. Um, and then It'll be on the website, <laughs> it will be. Um, although, but the 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 production version of these, so these these first two are really just for this project, and then we'll be taking another design pass through before we release them to market. But the the intention is at least um, that they will have all onboard electronics, just like the spotline practical yeah so, so input power showstopper network yeah. yeah and that's gonna be kind of awesome it's gonna be better than kind of awesome yeah and then we also um although we won't hang our ha hat on this at the moment the uh or pin our hopes or whatever you want to say whatever idiom makes sense the uh, schneider is coming out with the lexium 28 series and 110 volt uh, so we've been using a lot of Mitsubishi servos. We still have our eye on the Schneider Lexium series. The Lexium 28 is their low-cost series um, that is roughly the same size as the Mitsubishi, and they can do up to 750-watt servos at the 110 at the input 110 power. Input. Yeah, so could, yeah. could up the game a little bit on the on the pull line, on the pull strength on the line. Yeah, and yeah. for those who don't know, 750 watts is basically one horsepower. I got slapped on the wrist a little bit by Jack Miller at uh, School of the Arts because I, in my book, say that 750 watts equals one horsepower. And it's really more like 746 watts equals one horsepower. That's a design factor in there, right? <laughs> there's a little bit of a... <laughs> I think there's just a math factor in there. Like, I can't do the multiples of 746 nearly as quickly as 750. <laughs> and, yeah. and the difference in a four-watt light bulb... Uh, Anyway, but uh, so you'll basically have a one horsepower winch. And as we've been kind of giddily talking about around the shop, like I think this which winch is going to be incredibly useful for a wide variety of productions. Like a one horsepower winch is actually a pretty substantial piece of machinery for a lot of what we do on stage. Yeah. And this is so this is also belt driven in here. And so if we, you know, keeping absolutely, our, you know, yeah. keeping our keeping the ability to to slow it down but get a little bit more line pull on there yep is yeah is you still simple. have a belt stage that you can absolutely swap out yeah simple as changing a belt change a pulley but that's not all no not just one machine not. in four weeks two two machines two in four weeks machines. so the hoisting trick line whoa whoa did you say do you say trick line and hoisting? That doesn't sound right. That's right, my friends. So the It's the cutest little load break. <laughs> it does. It's like a load break, only smaller. Yeah. Uh so so what was the what was the point of this? What was the impetus for a hoisting trick line, Mike? Well, so we have these two so we're uh, part of the studio design are, are two monitors that fly up and down from a canopy and they're you know supposed to fly into uh, 55 inch or 60 inch or something uh, monitors and they're you know it's sort of like have the <clears throat> have the reporter behind the behind the the talent at the desk I think in the moment um, and uh, and so we were trying to figure out how to actually how we're we gonna get a hoist into the ceiling of this studio and right. into the grid and, and there's somewhere around 12 to 14 inches worth of space for that. 
uh, yeah, 12. Of it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about 12 inches from the top of the grid, the top of the bottom cord of the grid to the drywall. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the ceiling of the the ceiling of the studio is currently littered with all manner of conduit and plugging boxes and data and, um, you know, now now a lot of P5000 Unistrum. Right. Because <laughs> some guys said Because some guys said we needed it. Um, and um, and so we were trying to figure out how, like, how are we going to actually get, how are we going to put a hoist in there? And our original thought was really just to make a hoist. We were thinking we were going to use something very similar to, if not the same, as this push stick mini yeah the same and uh <laughs> <laughs> that was the hope. And, and so then we started we started actually really giving some thought to cable paths and how it's all going to happen because of course the tvs need to like they need to pick up and down right where there's a beam a structural beam in the building so we can't really get rid of that without a whole right. lot of other shenanigans um and uh and so i don't know who was the who was the brainchild of the Hey, maybe we could make a trick line. Yeah, I haven't I got the idea way. who that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, we push it the hard way. And well, the pro in my defense, the <laughs> the problem that we were facing with the regular winches was that we have there's the cable management was a big deal. Oh, we got to drop yeah. we got to drop all three Ooh. electrical cables down with and then several data cables. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, data cables included in that. So like there's 25ish mm. conductors split between power and data that have to get down into the TV monitors yeah. and we were just running out of options of how do we manage yeah. this in an attractive way that I think we did a sketch with with was it was like it was like six cable reels in the grid and and it was vetoed. I mean within seconds of sending the email, no, no, no. Like yeah. ping 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 ping. Like, oh, whoa. Wow, yeah. we made a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> and it there was just no way to really actually dump off of those cable reels and yeah. hit the very small landing area that we have available to us on the top of the monitor. So it's the cable management was a real challenge. And mm -hmm. so as we started talking about it, the thing that dawned on, I'm sh you know, on all of us was just that it, we're not tracking that far. We're going about six feet. So if we took a three foot actuator and did two to one, the hard way, there's six feet. There's six I feet. I mean, for those of you at home without a calculator. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I think Jack might correct me on that. It might That's be. Right. It's more like. A, well, because we didn't keep in mind the circumference of the pulleys. <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's roughly 6.0125 feet, but we'll just call it six feet. I'm just going to go with six. Um, the. Uh, and then we can just run the electrical cables basically in the same path the as same, yeah. the lifting lines um, and have them run. So if you imagine the trick line, right, You've, it looks roughly like a cable cylinder for like a pneumatic or hydraulic cable cylinder. So it's got a sliding block that moves back and forth on a linear rail. And we are going to... Belt driven. Belt driven. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and... We're just going to put it. We are. We have put a block, a head block on that sliding block uh, with a bunch of pulleys on it. So the lifting lines run through that and then terminate, and as do all the electrical all lines. The electrical so lines. as we pull the thing up on the lifting lines, we are also 
pulling on and keeping tension on all the electrical lines. And that way we don't have to have any slip rings. So all of those data lines, because that was another problem with all the... Yeah. <clears throat> with with the idea of using cable reels is we'd have all these data quality um, slip rings that would have to be used. Um, or like the IGUS makes an... E what is it called? The e-spool? E e-spool, yeah, yeah. But it takes up like... Uh, roughly like the size of a house. Feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cody is doing some windmill action over here about <laughs> roughly an arm span. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was the, the concept behind it. And we thought, well, why don't we just do the same servos and that we're, we're using on the uh, push stick mini and make something that approximately looks like a trick line and then throw a, a little tiny baby KEB loading brake on it. Those of you longtime listeners will remember how we talked about, like on the Fifth Avenue job, how we had to kind of <laughs> spec, order, then design. Yeah, we're on that again. We're on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now becoming like a. Those of you might remember, said we we're never going to do that again. And what we meant was in that quarter. Yeah, well, in, uh, technically in that year. In that year, even. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That uh, was last year. Yeah. That was, so 2017. So um, we had to do a similar thing here of just. Because the break lead time is roughly six weeks, yeah. um, so as we were talking about the product before we had a, before we officially had any money, but we had a handshake agreement that we were going to get the yeah. project, we put the order in for the breaks based on um, what we, well, actually at the time what we were assuming was going to be the load based on doing a, uh, drum style, a drum style, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then later on when we redesigned it as a hoisting trick line there was actually a moment with myself and steve nath where we were talking about the brake sizing and we were discussing how it was going to have to change slightly because of the drive pulley size and i was like you know what would be easier to change at this point is the drive, drive pulley, pulley size <laughs> <laughs> let's just do that and that then, brake is in production and right. as a matter of fact it's supposed to get here <laughs> yeah and what that changed was just the gear ratio. But the mm -hmm. we can actually get uh, we're using the Neugart um, speed reducers, right? Which are roughly eight to ten days. So that's more reasonable. Yeah, that was pretty easy. Yeah, in cool. the world. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah, but they're cool little machines, and we got Definitely. one of them sitting on the bench right now, almost ready to be set up on the test rig. Yeah, and oh, and the. Uh, for the linear rail on those, we're using the Igus um, Drylin bearings. Yeah. Same as what we use on the Revolver V2 now. Yeah. Yeah. They're nice. No cool. grease. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super low maintenance. Super low maintenance. Yeah. Oof. I feel there's more in ESPN, but we can come back to that after it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wrap that up <laughs> yeah and so for anyone paying attention to the timeline so we are actually m really midstream on this yeah, yeah we're like chest deep with hip waders on yeah <laughs> 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 yep it's good yep yeah i'm working on it <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be super duper so we've had a couple of new folks join the yeah, team. Just one, two, three, <laughs> three, four, four five. 
<laughs> so uh <laughs> nicole kent yeah coming from rosebrand coming from rosebrand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah, yeah that's great she, she's hopped in on the on the sales side yep um east coast east coast so pete veal i'm sure most people have spoken with pete veal at some point <laughs> pete veal is our industrious uh business developer who works on the west coast uh but we were hoping to kind of expand our time zone reach and they have a little bit a bit more penetration in in the new york market and nicole is a great choice for that yeah yeah i mean like a lot of lot of experience in a lot of experience in new york and the new york scene shops and the you know right big shows and right um, and you and nicole go back quite a ways right we do yeah <clears throat> yeah quite a few from mm, 2003 hey <laughs> and that was at showman, showman. Yeah, yeah 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 showman 2003 right yeah was a <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we crossed paths she hired me to do some work for her when she was working for another shop in the city uh programming some programming some automation from uh that she got from our good friends over at stage machines for uh for an exhibit a museum a display exhibit i might know a thing or two about that maybe yeah. one or two things yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i have i still have nightmares <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that project was kind of crazy mm -hmm. the, you're telling me <laughs> the concept was to show what the experience would be like boarding a subway train if you were blind blind yeah and so how did they accomplish that mike <laughs> <laughs> so there was a so there was a, a couple of hydraulic actuators to kind of shift the subway car you know this this piece of scenery that they got to shift it around um front and back left to right and you know and try and simulate the movement of a subway car right um on a sled essentially right and so people would enter this room in, with the lights out. In the dark. Right. And then step on a hydraulically actuated <laughs> platform. Platform. And hold on. Right. <laughs> try, <laughs> try not to break your leg. Yeah. Or your arm. Or the or person. The next neighbor. To you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I spent I spent a lot of hours in that room trying to make that trying to make that move according to the according to the artistic vision right um which was which was awesome yeah you gotta do it for the art really a shame that that place flooded in sandy that is a shame <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah so anyway uh yeah so no nicole and i go back for quite a bit and um you know she's i think it's awesome she's a great she's a great addition to to the definitely group, to the yeah team. It's really great to have her. And then we have uh, Greg Main is back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg actually interned with us a couple, two, three summers ago. Uh, he was at the time getting his master's degree at UConn. UConn, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he went on and worked at uh, Global. Yep. Global. Global in there. Drafting. Drafting and, and yeah, little automation stuff and some CNC scene, yeah, routing some CNC stuff, stuff on-site stuff, you know, right? Like scene shop, good all-around guy. Yeah, definitely. 
And so he was looking for a bit of a change, and uh, he missed Rhode Island. He did well. There's a lot to miss. Well, <laughs> or, or whatever. There's a little to miss. <laughs> Everything about it's small, but um, <laughs> but he was he. Uh, we're glad to have him back. Yeah, it's super. Yeah, it's good. It's and good. He, good to have the hands here in the shop. Definitely. And so and for us, site. he's been primarily um, fabbing. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Great to have another fabricator, and then. Mr. Beauregard. <laughs> Harrison Beauregard, who's worth hiring just for the name, <laughs> um, but clearly has a lot of talents beyond that. Yeah, yeah Harry's a great guy. So, Definitely. Uh, you know, recent <clears throat> recent escapee from Yale. Uh, I mean, uh, graduate. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> That's right, which is your favorite school, as hey, I recall. Hey, it's not just mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, Harry's, uh, Harry just came on, so, and, and in a, you know, funny small world, Harry, Harry had worked for me for a while in the city before I was here. Right. As a carpenter, and yeah, so, so it's good. He's a, he's a great guy, and I think Definitely. another great addition, super smart. It's been, yeah. Been excellent to have on the design side, on, on the ESPN project, on the install portion of it. It's been and great. then he'll be picking up some amount of project management for us as well, so the, because everyone here does at least two things, so Harry's going to be doing some some of the design work and then also picking up project management as we do more kind of custom project projects. Yep. Yeah. Custom projects uh, that aren't just our standard stock stuff. Yeah. Turns out we need a manager, which I think we discussed in a previous podcast. So he I think a couple times <laughs> <laughs> maybe once <laughs> crying into the microphone. Uh, yeah. So that'll be great. And then uh, Jessica Molina. Uh, is our summer uh, summer intern. We actually don't really call them interns, yeah. but um, she's here with us for the summer as she she has finished up her uh, bachelor's and I believe she's heading back for a master's if I if I understood correctly, but she's here just for the for the summer and looking primarily to get some hands-on experience um, building things. So she's got an engineering background and we've been We've been giving her the opportunity. We have not. We <laughs> we've we have obliged. <laughs> and then big news, Cody Green, who's in in the studio with us, the costume shop studio, is back with us. Come on over, Cody. Did I go? I, I <laughs> so Cody, you're back. I am back. Indeed. Yeah, and you, uh, at least for at least for some amount of time. But you, you've been at Hudson. Yeah, for like the past three and a half years I've been at Hudson. Been That's pretty awesome. For them. Yeah. yeah. Some pretty fun stuff. Yeah. Some big shows. Some big, some big stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good to be back in the little state. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Which is awesome to have you back. We're super excited. And, yeah. and you've been chipping in on some of the ESPN stuff. and Yeah. Yeah. Diving in, diving head in head first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit the yeah. hit the ground running. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool because it's going in where I live in New York City, and right. so like that's handy. And you know, done some stuff elsewhere now, and coming back with a little more knowledge, and kind of just in a whirlwind of this project coming back. So right, it's, it's good. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Sweet. It's pretty fun to have people coming back. It helps not having to teach everybody our kooky ways all at once. 
you know? Yeah. Some people are already familiar with the kookiness. Yeah. We're on like the third or fourth file management tool since Cody was here the last time, though. So, <laughs> so there has been some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not exaggerating. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're on the third one for me. I've been here for two years. Really? Oh, oh yeah. All right. We started well. out with the Synology. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's been turbulent, turbulent times <laughs> on the file management side. Because actually, we ran Dropbox for long time like for years and years and years and then once i got it in my head that i didn't want to support that company anymore then we tried the synology and then box and then box and, and then now, now google now drive mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 and we've had a lot of other like infrastructure changes recently like ots has been a big yeah totally yeah, yeah. and the company <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Changes. It's good though. Some new, some old. <laughs> that's right. You know, just looking at our list, we didn't even talk about OTS. This is like a whole nother podcast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's some pretty cool stuff that would be fun to talk about in OTS. Yeah, next we time. should talk about it next time. No, that's what I mean. Like next time. Next time. Next time. All right. So. Out and about is our next topic. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So there's two new floor pockets in the world. Right. Like out there. Yep. Living the Installed. life. Installed. Mm-hmm. Lifting things up Lifting and down. Things. Up down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got one in a in a high school East Side preparatory school in uh, Seattle. Yeah, up in Seattle. That's right. Um, where we also built a custom sunroof. Yeah, and that was pretty handy because we actually mm -hmm. got that job. I believe before Fifth Avenue, right? I believe that is true, yeah. But it was such a long time span that it, we didn't start building it until after Fifth yeah. Avenue. Yeah. And Fifth Avenue, for any long-time listeners... Conveniently had a sunroof. It conveniently <laughs> had a giant sunroof in it. And yeah. so we got to um, try out a new technique for the sunroofs, which we actually liked a lot better than our old technique for sunroofs. And Eastside benefited from that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. We got a nice little sunroof is driven by a trick line. Right. The second favorite machine. Second favorite machine. Uh, yeah. And then. Well, know, it's not really a trick line. It's though. not really a trick line, but. It's trick, trick line, line derivative. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like trick lines early stuff, but then it got <laughs> derivative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but we did that and. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, so we did that and we went and. Uh, we went out, uh, we sent Ed and Andrew out to Seattle right. to uh, to go get it installed and uh, got on site to learn that. The <laughs> was there a building? <laughs> there was there was a skeleton of a building. <laughs> there was, there a was suggestion of a building. There was suggestion, yeah. There was a stage floor. Well, they were just waiting for the floor pocket to get installed. Yeah, that must have been leaving the space clear for us so that right. we didn't have to worry about walls or dinging anything. <laughs> um, but there right. was, yeah, there was no, they arrived in the morning with no, uh, no, no trap room to put said floor pocket into. Um, they had some suggestions of studs up. And then by the afternoon, there was drywall up. Oh. Um, yeah. Just pretty well, impressive. There you go. Uh, 
Uh, but, you know, we ran into some other challenges there, like no site electricity when we got there as well. And um, uh, But got most of it installed and put in, and we're going to go back for the final commissioning and some training um, next month, August. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We also used a couple a couple guys from um, local guys from Seattle. Yeah, who did that. great work for us. Yeah, Brian yeah. Fausca. Yep. Yeah. So it was uh, it was super, and uh, it was a great it was great to be able to utilize some some of our some of our friends, right? Local friends to make it happen. Yep. Um, and then we had another four pocket that we sent to uh, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Oh yeah, um, where Rada and I went out there, and that was uh, we had some we had some awesome FedEx experiences. You guys did luck out on the shipping, as yeah. I recall. We're like we shipped three pallets of stuff, and we arrived, and there were two pallets there. Yeah, we're like, huh? If that was baseball, we'd be golden. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and then we went like you know, so we were in uh, we were in Colorado, yeah, and uh, and we <laughs> we we did a little digging, and FedEx thought that they had delivered everything, and uh, and our our friend Brian in the shop called some reps, figured out some things, found out that no, in fact, that third pallet was in Kansas, no, <laughs> which is is or is not Colorado. It uh, when I checked, it was not Colorado. Okay, so that um, I can see, you can see how that might gets yeah yeah we were short gets a little messed up. We were short some don't. important parts <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to put the floor pocket together, um, and so then uh, but you know we well, they got it there, so we just lost one whole day. It's no big deal. Yep, um, and right. uh, uh, we got that in, and um, no like crazy challenges other than you know no freight. Um, and, uh, and so that was cool. And so we were, Rada and I were there for the install and the training with, uh, with those folks. And then Rada and I also had another adventure where we had some awesome FedEx experiences, um, further West. Oh, yes. Yeah. San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. We, we were contacted by our friends at, uh, at ACT right. in San Francisco to come in, uh, to come and try and help, not try to come and help uh, get their show up and running where they got a turtle and yeah, um, do or do not. There is no try, do, Mike. There is no try. Yes, yeah. do or do not. Um, and uh, and so we <laughs> subtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, and so uh, so we went out there and and they were. Uh, the, they had a scene shop building the show and um, as a new musical and then they were they were borrowing uh, ACT had borrowed some equipment from another theater in California uh, turtle the turtle itself and they were using their winch to to drive the drive the turtle across the deck and um, <clears throat> and we some shenanigans ensued uh, yeah. as we, as we, as we went through the process. Um, but we got there in the end, it was, it was a little, <laughs> you guys were there for a while or you were there for I a was bit there for like a week as we were starting the process. Right. And then Rada came in and, and I tagged out and then he was there for like another three weeks, week and a half or two weeks, yeah. two weeks. It was like three total weeks. And, um, yeah, yeah. He definitely took the brunt of that one. Yeah, I, I got out. I got out just in time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but we did some we did some cool things on that one. So in the in the world of uh, in the world of kind of neat, neat uh, products, we the 
the turtle they used was from CTG and it had a, it was an SEW gear motor, but it had the wrong, it had incompatible encoder on the tail of it. Um, and so, you know, other than trauma with FedEx actually delivering said encoder to us, yeah, we just swapped the encoder and the motor worked. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to the very beginning about how cool would it be if it was just a motor and a brake <laughs> and an encoder. Um, right. And and so that was pretty slick. Uh, yeah. Actually, that was a really cool. It was really cool to just be able to do that, make it happen. Um, but, you know, we're like. So we're driving a turtle, so we had an electrified dog, and that kind of that started out as it was going to be a trailing, trailing bundle, and then that was a no-go from the artistic side um, once that was once that was realized or made clear. And so then, uh, so then we scrambled as we made uh, an electrified deck track, uh, which was which was yeah, so, which is kind of nuts, right? I I think it's kind of nuts too come up with that during load in yeah we were we were like four days from i was five days from flying yeah and i got a phone call from from the folks at act and they were like hey so if we had to make this electrified <laughs> asking for a friend yeah just just curious if we had to do something yeah. like that what what do you think you would do and i was like wow well um and uh but we did it Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. So nice. it was, uh, it was good. We did some Igus chain on its side and drove some stuff around and filled yeah. it full of electric cable and data and speaker wire and the odd signal. screw that fell in. Oh, we went lag bolts. <laughs> go bigger, go home, Gary. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the pictures that I got from Miguel from the <clears throat> from the theater from from the foreman over there were pretty astronomical at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we had, we had a pretty spectacular failure in the middle there too. Um, one of the stagehands, one of the stagehands lost its mind. And, uh, and yeah, on that was actually really sucky. Cause that yeah, was, was no like good. invited dress. Yeah. It was invited dress. The correct me here. Cause I might be getting the details wrong. I know you were closer involved with this with Rada than I was, but they, God, he calls me every time at like midnight. <laughs> and it's like, every time he's on There's... site, my phone rings at 1145. I'm like, this is not going to be, <laughs> this, nothing good happens. Not, you're never like, Hey Mike, just want to let you know everything's pisser. Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> because he had, he was, he was having uh connectivity issues. If I recall, right? Like it was yep. falling off the network and they weren't able to maintain uh, connection and then so we tried rebooting the stagehand and by you know just unplugging, unplugging it replugging yeah. yeah cycling power to it and when it came back up it was all black bars on the lcd and anyone who's used our stuff long enough is if you've ever seen the black bars of death that yeah. is that's when the basically that there's no microcontroller communicating anymore like it just that's the default state of the lcd screen which means that nothing has initialized the screen there's no data getting to it it's uh, dead at yeah. that point. It's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. <laughs> and that doesn't happen all that often, uh, but when it happens, it's pretty tragic. Yeah, it's usually first preview. Yeah, usually. <laughs> usually. <laughs> we try to time it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rada had his wits about him and said, well, I've got another microcontroller like in the kit. I'm just going to slam that in. And he did, and it, came, it booted up, came back online. But he, in the, in the panic that was ensuing, he did not think to like test it, 
manually first, like just give it a quick jog, right? Well, no, or, that's when that's when that, things went that's sideways. What, okay, <clears throat> so he gave it a quick jog and it <clears throat> shot off full speed, and then wrecked a. It ripped the it ripped the sheet the mules right out of the deck. Yeah, like, yeah. And then we took a closer look. He had not fully seated the microcontroller into the motherboard, and so there were some pins not fully connected and not making contact. And so, ergo, yeah. <laughs> there was no trouble. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. ergo, there was no uh, control signal going actually out to the DAC. Yeah, yeah. So that was a bummer. <laughs> yes, um, that, that didn't work well. That didn't and work then well. Uh, all access right hooked us up with. Yeah, so so as Rada had yeah called me, it was, it was like eleven forty five because it was like eight forty five on the West Coast. Yep, and um, and things were you know were heinous, and so I reached out to our friends at All Access, who was like, we could ship you a a Sagehand, but it's not going to be until tomorrow that it ships, right? And that's you know no good. Like we're tomorrow's first preview and Saturday and Saturday, and so. Um, and they actually had a backup stagehand in-house, but uh, an old Durapulse drive that we had yanked out of service because we couldn't get it to work smooth. Yeah. Couldn't get it to tune right. Nothing was – we couldn't get it – we just couldn't get it to run. Um, they put it back in and hobbled through on Saturday, and Saturday night or Sunday morning, um, two stagehands from All Access got dropped off. Yeah. Um, and they put in – they put that into service and – Everything was back to normal after they rebuilt the deck. Yeah, it's brutal. But thank goodness. Speaking of like friends in the in the neighborhood, like yeah. we had uh, all access out there with a stockpile of stagehands to back stage them up. up. Yeah, to help us out and to get the stuff out. I mean, they you know one of their uh, Nick went in on Saturday morning. Yeah, like with his kid, I think, and then Pete drove and then like Pete. the whole family in the minivan to <laughs> right. go pick up exactly. the stagehands and drop them off. What are we doing today, Dad? Yeah. Oh, you're gonna love this yeah, trip. You're gonna love this trip. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was it was a little bit of a bummer, but it was also pretty exciting to be able to have a solution in hand. I mean, essentially, it you know for me it was like two in the morning right. as we had figured out that we could get them, that we were good, and that we'd be able to to make that happen and put that in motion the next morning. Right. So uh, after that, after that little nugget of awesomeness at ACT, everything else went great. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it really did actually go well after that. It we, actually go and well. It, and not that we love it when things fail, but it was certainly good that we were there to help facilitate getting out of that because that would have been a, a trouble, trouble yeah. for yeah. the operator. Um so. And one of the other cool things, because we were using a turtle on that, we were trying to figure out how we were going to pre-queue and see what we were doing as effective as we could. And I set up, uh, with the help of Eric Lynn from the Guthrie, we set up uh, we set up uh, the WatchOut right. watch computer running the production version of WatchOut and made our turtle and our track and laid in the ground plan to show where the legs were and the other stuff. And That's so pretty we, cool. We could see the thing spin around, so we did. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was a cool it was cool to see. Yeah. It's cool to do. Yeah. That was a good good tip from Eric. Yeah. Um, so beyond all of the traveling, we also and all the new products and everything else, we've uh we are taking a concerted effort to sweep through our documentation and either update or create any missing documentation that's out there. What it's been 
a wild ride over the last, I don't know, year and a half yeah. of just all the really fun, interesting new stuff we've been making. But sometimes what suffers there is getting it all written down. Yeah. Documenting it all. So it's not just in our heads. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you guys, so you and Rada and Ed have been really. Yeah, we've been pushing. St- yeah. Pushing hard. So new documents happening. They're on the web. Yeah. Um, so anyone who's out there wishing for new documentation, it's we hear you and it's coming. It's, yeah. it's actively being worked on. It is uh, actively being worked on. Yeah. And and that'll actually also be pushing up to the new website as well, which should be coming soon. Soon. Trademark. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> uh, yep. uh, but it which is actually looking pretty awesome. Pete it has been doing an incredible job on the new website and it's looking great. Can't wait to yeah. get out there. And actually Cody's been uh skirting around the edges of some of the new product renderings that we have to get done for that and yep. documentation and other stuff too. Because another thing that has slipped a little bit on fallen fallen through the cracks there. Yeah. <laughs> Big cracks. Yeah. <laughs> Chasms. <laughs> uh, so, so in lieu of proper documentation, um, let's talk through some of the the fancy new features in SpikeMark. Did you say SpikeMark 4? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Why, no, I didn't. SpikeMark 4, the devil, you say? So, yeah, for those of you for those of you at home, the new, there is another new SpikeMark out, SpikeMark 4.0. Well, what? 4.0. One, uh, yeah. no, no, four, or something. <laughs> four series. Yeah. yeah, get your latest four. Um, which There's is quite super. a few new features, and yeah. so some of the highlights. Uh, first one is presets. So folks who are familiar with Spike Mark know that uh, you know we basically have the 3D view, we've got the Q grid, and we've got the properties pane. Um, but if you're going to say install spike mark in a theater where you're going to want to be using some, oh, I don't know, line set hoist or something like that, and you want to have a, a <laughs> rather than a straight up queuing interface, you just want to have some preset looks so that you can go to like uh, orchestra shell in, orchestra shell in, projection screen in, you know, presenter, whatever it is. Um, you can have an unlimited number of these presets. And so this is actually a new tab that shows up. So you either are in QGrid mode or you are in presets Preset. mode. Yeah. And when you're in presets mode, you get a little, uh, you get a bunch of cards that stack up vertically and show you a 3D view of what that preset's going to look like. Um, and then a little descriptions, text description of what's, yeah, what's going to happen to get you there. Um, so you can just go from one preset to another preset to another preset. Um, and uh, that's a pretty cool feature, I yeah. think. And, it, you know, it's – I was coyly saying that uh, you'd use that if you have permanently installed hoists, but a lot of the TV studio work we've been doing recently, it would be a huge benefit for those folks as well. We're going to use it on this one. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> we might even have a rack mount touchscreen. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Whose idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And then uh, another new feature. User authentication. So what is that all about, Mike? Oh, well, let's say that you don't want people to be able to change the cues once you've got them there. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> which really flies in the face of a long-standing tradition in Spike Mark, which is that like everyone can touch everything. Yeah. But we realize that's not always the right answer. Yeah, that might not be the right thing, you know. And depending on depending on what your depending on what your <clears throat> your use case is, like most of the time, I I don't see this necessarily in a theater when you're running a show, um, locking it down. But you know, as like in the TV studio, in the museum exhibit, once you've set everything up, you just want to be able to run. You don't want anybody to be able to change anything. Right. Unless they know what they're doing. So a good way to lock it down, to really lock it down, is user authentication as opposed to going into run-only mode, which right. is easy to, which is still there. Um, and realistically, what user authentication does, or authorization does, is it uses Windows authentication, and then it will only authorize you to go into run-only mode or into full mode. So it's just a way of basically locking out user access. To, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you just clamp down into run-only mode. So they are kind of hand-in-glove, those two things. And then we're piggybacking on top of the authentication mechanism built into Windows. Yeah. Since Somebody's already written it. <laughs> it's already been written. <laughs> Seems to work pretty well. Uh, yeah. And then... And then finally, we may have talked about this before. We were trying to actually get right. to this as we were there. But um, but also in Spike Mark Four, we now have um, access to the to the pendant. Support for the pendant. Support for the pendant. And what is the pendant, Gary? <laughs> so the pendant is a pretty cool little device. So um, the idea of the pendant is that you sometimes want to have control. You want to be able to have manual jog control or potentially run to position control of any machine in your spike mark network but you don't want to be sitting at a spike mark computer you might want to be able to stand out on stage and pick a baton to bring in or stand out on stage and move a deck track i don't position. know why you'd want to be on stage and be able to move <laughs> something and have an e-stop in your hand right it's it's crazy <laughs> and yet somehow uh it seems to be a thing that we wanted to yeah. do so the some people it looks a lot like <laughs> a uh, Nintendo Switch or a Wii U controller because because the designer <laughs> <laughs> there may have been some inspiration there <laughs> may have been some inspiration. Uh, it's cool it's, it's very, very cool. cool and it's got a um, I believe it's a seven inch touchscreen on it um, it's actually powered by a Raspberry Pi um, and then it has a uh, jog wheel and it's got a jog joystick, an enable button, an enable button, and an e-stop. E yeah. So the screen is there to show you what are all the motors you have available in your show, um, and then also real-time status in terms of the position limits, all that good stuff. Um, and then you can select what motor you want to move, and then jog it either by joystick or by position control, uh, or you can just run it to a spike. It could, you'll get the spike list for any uh, selected uh, stagehand or any selected machine, I should say, uh, on the network. So you select a machine and say, like, you grab the the uh, a floor pocket, and it says, okay, you got a trap room spike and a mid spike and a stage floor spike, and you can just say, go go to stage floor. Yeah. Or you know, a chain hoist. Potentially. So you're like loading. Right. <laughs> Deck. <laughs> Speaker trim. <laughs> potentially that would potentially. be also useful. <laughs> and the way it works is actually 
I think pretty ingenious. So uh, Spike Mark now just hosts a web server um, internally. So it's a self-hosted server. Um, and the pendant is just a web client. So it is very similar to, I mean, it is just a web view that we're um, displaying. Um, and then we have some custom code in there to run the hardware. But all the graphical junk is just uh, happening over HTTP and JavaScript. So it's very cool. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. 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 So and it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a really, really nice product. And we are actually only just now kind of finalizing the details on that case, that that groovy uh, Nintendo Switch style case. Um, <laughs> we had some manufacturing difficulties um, getting it to getting it down to the price point that we wanted to see it at. Um, but uh, I think we've finally licked that, yep. which means this will be coming online mainstream for mainstream purchase shortly. Like um, at the moment, we've only been selling pendants directly to customers of the stage manager. The what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can't so believe this isn't scripted. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what's the stage manager? Well, the stage manager, Gareth. <clears throat> um, the stage manager is uh, is sort of our is not sort of it's our it's our control console. So it's Spike Mark built into an industrial touchscreen PC with a keyboard, mouse in a tray and in a drawer and a consulate built in. Um. And uh, and so it allow and it's wall mounted. Yeah, and so it's like all wrapped up in a nice little kiosk frame sort of thing. Yeah, sheet metal box. Yeah, bolted to the wall. Yeah, spike mark in a box. Spike mark in a box. Maybe that would have been a better product name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it. But so it turns into your control point. It's your it's your place. So no more, no no need for a laptop. No. Right. No traveling. No traveling point. Um, although it is movable off the wall, it's all connectorized as the rest of our gear, the right. rest of our product. So, and how um, does it plug into the system then? Uh, an Ethernet cable. Nice. And a Showstopper three accessory plug. What? So it has to plug into your Showstopper three base. Nice. So for those of you still holding on to the Showstopper twos, if you want one of like these. Go. <laughs> time to let go folks um you know who you are <laughs> um uh so it uh so it, it gives us this nice package of a you know of a industrial yeah. pc ready to go right um and the fact that you know going back to the connectorization as we were talking about the the thing the product the stage manager and the design concepts we were we started out with it being piped in permanent right conduit 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 make it connections and then at some point i think you like leaned back in your chair and we're like do we need to make it permanent and uh and then and then yeah. like 10 minutes later we had come to the conclusion that no we should have connectors on it yeah and then about 25 minutes later the first person who installed it put it right up against a conduit <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't plug anything into it um and then, hence the documentation push. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, obviously am a big fan of connectorization. And I think what is really cool about that is that anyone who has been using our gear for a long time and would like a stage manager now, like you can just, just buy one. Buy it. And it's just a Showstopper 3 accessory. It's mm -hmm. not, I mean, it's 
it is the most expensive showstopper three accessory that we offer but it is there's no you don't have to hire an electrician to go install this thing for you you no. can just put four screws in the wall and hang, hang it and it plug it in one yeah 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 and, and the thing i like about it too is that it the number of theaters i've been in where you come in and they're like oh we've got this stupid console, console in the like, way in the way st- downstage left well, so if that ever happens to you with the stage manager, you, you can just lift it, it off, off and move it stage right <laughs> or move it to a different point stage left yeah. or wherever you want it, wherever it makes room. sense. doesn't uh, matter. Right. And yeah. actually, I mean, while it's probably going to be landed where it lands for a long time, there's nothing that says you couldn't move it around show by show if that if yeah. that would be, work better for you. Yeah. So Yeah, this is the, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, I think we both had that same, you know, walk in and like, there is the automation controller. Right. And you're like, everybody hates it. Right. Everybody hates exactly. where it is. Right. And, you know, they're like, ah, oh, it's in the way. It's like the fire control panel. Why right. Is that there? Right. <clears throat> so I think it's a, it, it, there's nothing revolutionary about it in the sense that it's just Spike Mark and it's a Showstopper 3. And, um, and the industrial PC is pretty cool. The industrial PC is great. Built in UPS. Yep built-in battery backup all that yeah. stuff is no i i think it's a really well executed uh packaging of it but it's not it's not revolutionary it's definitely an evolutionary product but i mm-hmm. i think in some ways that's more exciting i mean yeah. it's it there's not a whole lot new to learn it's just that if you wanted something that was pre-packaged and blessed by us and supported by us as your right. installation this is a great way to do it yeah it's a so. great way to do it and you know right now there's two of them in the world Right. Soon to be three. Soon to be three. But one of them right now is a permanent install running a turntable and a couple and a couple IOs in yep. at uh, ACT. In, Another ACT. In, <laughs> in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then the other one is installed in Texas. Yeah. In a high school, no less. What? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, about a year ago, we... Um, we struck up a conversation with the folks at Thern, um, who are great manufacturers of hoists um, that are used, permanently installed hoists in theaters and used throughout the country. Um, they have, they sometimes don't need anything fancy for their controls. They can just do push button controls, uh, but they are getting more and more calls for something that can be uh, a queuable system, right? And um, we said, well, hey, that's funny because we actually make cubable systems and we don't make line set hoists. Um, so wouldn't that be a great uh, <laughs> a great collaboration um, between the two of us? So uh, we there was an admission that although I think the the kind of architecture of our system works pretty well, we needed to. Uh, spend a little time and refocus the design of several of our products to be more appropriate in that use. So the stage manager obviously came out of that. Actually, the pendant came out of that. Came out of that. Um, and then another product called the Stagehand Architectural mm-hmm. came out of that as well. And much like the stage manager being just a repackaging of existing mm-hmm. technologies, so is the Stagehand Architectural. Um, it is. You know, it's still a stagehand controller that you know and love, but it's built into a wall mount cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's a 400 volt um, drive, 
because uh, that's m- much more common in the architecture permanent installs. Permanent yeah. installs. There's um, onboard circuit protection, so you have a uh, no need for an extra breaker, right? You have that right there, um, and commissioning port on it, and connectorized, and it's connectorized. So that which is a which is a departure for <laughs> from some folks, and they're they're thinking about permanently installed equipment, um, but. Again, we had the conversation because we honestly were very open-minded about it and said, look, we're if you want it to be conduit run, you know, we can do that. But let's just lay out for you why we think that maybe we should we should all be considering connectorized yeah. panels. And these are all, you know, Harding style latching industrial connectors on them. It's, it's not a stagehand pro. It's a stagehand pro, right? Yeah. Um, these are all hoists. Yep. And you know, once the there's two big things that I think are uh, advantages going connectorized. One is that during the commissioning phase, if you have a problem with a hoist, so often there's this there gets to be this argument between the installer and the manufacturer about who did it wrong, right? Yeah, what is, happened? Yeah, is the hoist miswired? <laughs> um, <laughs> the black smoke came out of that one. So. Uh, <laughs> Or is it that the uh, the field wiring is incorrect? Yeah. Well, if you can just remove the connectors from the two sides of the conduit and run a factory cable from drive One to machine, to yeah. then it becomes very clear to everybody whether or not it's a, a manufacturing problem or an installation problem. Yep. And then that, you know, besides like just the blame game, it just helps with the troubleshooting and getting the, to a solution quicker. The troubleshooting path on that. <clears throat> front is i mean we went through it with this particular install yeah. i went through it steven went through it I right think rada even fielded a call or two on that right you know it's like this isn't going this isn't working right and well i move try that one like you yeah. have another machine you have right. another stagehand right and that's the other point of it isn't beyond cabling when you have a, a stagehand that goes down because i mean I know I shouldn't be saying these things as the owner of the automation company, but more often than not, it's the con- it's a control problem, right? Like yeah. the control cabinets have more problems than the machines have. So if you have a control cabinet that has some electrical problem, like unplugging it, pulling it off the wall, and putting in a, a new one, a, a replacement, is so much easier if you, again, don't have to call on an electrician mm-hmm. uh, to unwire the old cabinet and wire in the new cabinet. And then from a testing perspective at the manufacturing facility, especially since controls are coming from Creative Connors, machines are coming from Thern, like to be able to have standardized components that we can each test independently makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 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 Connectorized. Yeah. Connectorized. (laughs) You'd never never guess that I was in favor of connectorization. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. And so, and we finally got all that and we're going to have to take Stephen Ferrier went down to do the initial commissioning. Yep. Um, and um, and then I think I'm going to be heading back down there to do the final sign off and then some training. Right. With the with the staff. So. Yeah. It's gonna be good. I think it's cool, and you know, and it looks like a it's a it's a pretty neat it was a pretty neat process. Yeah, definitely. And it, we had our fair share of. Uh, of hiccups along the way on both sides of that. But I think everyone came out the other end uh, feeling confident that, you know, we, we're all still interested in doing more of it. And yeah. uh, th- with the lessons learned this time around, <laughs> it'll be smoother <laughs> next time. So, 
Um, cool. Yeah. And then lastly, we, we got a note in here about the fact that it's summertime. What? And it is, in fact, summertime. In fact, it's like halfway done with summertime already. Uh, I missed that memo. <laughs> <laughs> so we got barbecue on the back deck. I, actually, I don't think we've had any barbecues on the back deck yet. Maybe we got to do tomorrow. some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's time to get the grill out and start doing that. <laughs> um, but what we and have done is the machine shop. Move, move the machine shop. Yeah. Right across the way. Yeah. Well, diagonally. Right. <laughs> so we, uh, our shop is located in an old uh, mill building, a New England classic mill building. But the owner of the property also has a series of like, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, but they're like contractor. Yeah, it's like steel walled. Yeah. You know, steel walled warehousing. Yeah. Split up into like one garage bay by I don't know, like 60 feet or something. Yep. Um, so our main shop is in the old mill building, but now we have a couple of those, um, warehouse spaces across the collecting them. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. <laughs> Got to catch them all. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but we moved the entire machine shop out of our main facility and over into one of those warehouse spaces, which has been a huge improvement for, I think. I think everybody. everybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like it seems like it has been great for everybody. I mean, we got some new tools for anybody who hasn't like paid attention to Instagram, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, had them all dropped off over there, and you know, we're and now it's all set up, and we're we're rocking we're rocking everything out of there. Yeah, and it's Just, it's really good because I think it's a, a much more sane layout for the guys that are doing that work. Or the folks that are doing that work mm -hmm. uh, over there, um, and then it gets all of the metal mess and um, noise. noise and the country music out of the <laughs> Freebird <laughs> <laughs> out of the main facility. Yeah, and it also got it also allowed us to get the wiring station out of the office, right? Um, which was. So now the office is just the office. It's just the office. Well, it's like the office plus the break room plus the storage closet. But it's yeah, but, but it's, it's not much production. Closer. Yeah. 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 It's much closer. This, is, this has a door. Yeah. <laughs> this is the costume shop. Um, but it's uh yeah, but it's a it's a big difference. A big, uh, I think, a really positive change all around. Yeah. Um, to have moved that over, and then we just we just got another. I guess what the end of the month we're. At the end of the month, yeah, we're we've got another unit Snag across another the unit. yeah 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 because what we and we don't have as clear of a plan yet about what that's going to be used for. But when the space opened up, we wanted to grab it since we've been a little space constrained recently. And there's kind of two thoughts about it. One is that uh, we still can use a space for project setup because um, we uh, the, some of these projects really can benefit from having a clear space that we can set up the all of the equipment. Yeah, all it was extraordinarily helpful with Fifth Ave and, and the first ESPN. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so having that, and then the other part of it is that, you know, rentals has grown a lot. Uh, we have a lot more rental equipment these days, yeah. and I could see a time in the not-too-distant future where we might want to push all of rentals over into its own unit, mm -hmm. um, and that would allow that to be a little better organized or and uh, out of the way. Um and then free up the main shop for more setup. So. Yeah. 
It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So Brian uh, Belfer, of course, headed up an awful lot of well, he headed up all of it, and then uh, and then some of the other folks in the shop, like Brian Fassbender and Mark and Stephen Ferrier, um, did a lot of work to uh, actually make it happen. So it's been great. And then we actually also have um, we haven't started this process yet, but we've got a designer that's helping us uh, look at the office space to try to make that a little more official because it's a just a, like an open plan warehouse at the moment with a bunch of desks in it um, and we might turn that into actually something that feels more like an office so we'll see but maybe we won't maybe it'll just be we need two guys with fixies and this will be like every we work space in Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> truth <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's uh whew. yeah we we did it we did it oh it's only an hour and a half look at that um but it's uh it's Damn. getting late <laughs> it's uh past 11 o'clock yeah. so it's uh past, getting close to my bedtime and uh past mine yeah exactly <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening and those of you who have uh, been asking for another episode i i hope you enjoyed it uh and appreciate your patience um we will see you on the next time whenever that is yeah thanks everyone (laughs) have a good one